Rabbi Benjamin Tabori, this week's Godel, the outside falls this week, the Naram Mi-Württemberg of Meyerberg Baruch, Rabbi Benjamin Tabori. This week we commemorate the yard site of the Maharam Mi-Württemberg, Moreno Harav Mayor of Württemberg, who lived approximately from the years 1215 to 1293. He was of German ancestry and was born into a family of Tamari Chachamim. We know that he was, he traveled to France and lived in other communities when he grew in learning, he learned in yeshivas. The first recorded note that I was aware of, of Rabbi Meir Mirutenberg, was when he was approximately 27 years old, he witnessed in France one of the tragedies of Jewish history, the famous Srefata Talmud, the, the day that they burned an auto de fe, they burned the Talmud. Rabbi Meir Mirutenberg wrote a poem, Sha'ali Surfava Eish. Surfava Eish, that which was burned in fire, referring to the Talmud, referring to the literature and lore of Judaism. This poem has existed until this day and is still recited on Tisha B'Av, on the day that we mourn all types of Jewish tragedies that occurred during the years. Rav Meir Merutenberg then did travel, go back to his home in Germany, where he enjoyed a most remarkable reputation for being one of the Gedolei Hador, one of the poskim of his generation, and one of the people that declared and established Minhagim for all times. Although he had no official position, he was not the rabbi of the community. To the best of my understanding, he was not even in a rabbinic post, but yet he was acknowledged as the leader, the biggest Tamit Chacham, who, as I said, was asked many questions, many she'ilot. In Yeshiva University, there was a professor named Agis, who, Professor Agis, who spent many of his, much of his effort in studying the life's times and works of Marami Rutenberg, and he published two volumes about the Marami Rutenberg. One of his main theses, one of the main theses that Professor Agus expounded was that you can judge the importance of Rishonim by the amount of She'elot that they were asked and by the nature of the She'elot that were involved. The Comment, of course, relates to people that were considered poskim, that were considered deciders of Jewish law, rather than to the people who more were involved in theoretical learning, or in what we would call the yeshiva type of learning, which is not necessarily attuned to psak halacha. And it's interesting to note that, for example, in our generation, there were certain Russian yeshiva who were known as poskim, but many Rosh Yeshiva were not known as Poskim, and many Poskim were not Rosh Yeshiva. For example, we have in America, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, whose Svarim Igros Moshe were spread over the world, who became one of the 
perhaps the most important posek of United States, of United States in the area, in the era of, of Rav Moshe Feinstein, let's say the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. Rav Moshe also was a Rosh Hashiva, but he, his fame was through the world of Psak rather than the world of of Lumbus. His Svarim, Dibros Moshe, many, many volumes of Dibros Moshe are certainly not as widespread and not as used as the Igros Moshe. On the other hand, Rav Salavechik was known as the quintessential Rosh Hashiva who gave Shirim, and although there were cases where people asked him questions, the genre of Shelotu Chuvot, of a Sefer of, of Chuvot, of response written and answered by him, does not exist today. He was not in the world of Psak. Apparently, Marami Rutenberg was in the world of Psak, and therefore the amount of chuvos and the questions, the type of questions, were considered by Professor Agus to be a major criterion in determining the greatness and the appreciation of the scholars of his generation. Of course, it should be added that this comment is referring to the people who lived and wrote before the printing press was discovered. In order to maintain the chuvos of, let's say, the Rajba or Marambi Rutenberg, they needed to be copied. You had to hire someone who would actually sit and hand write all the responses that we have. In order to, A, have the questions, they had to be asked in the first place. Secondly, it had to be considered important enough for people to write it, copy it, and have many different scribes who, where we have different manuscripts of Chuvot, and that certainly shows their importance. Lahavdil, let's say today we take a best-selling novel by one of the uh, popular novelists in America today who might sell millions of copies of his book, but would anybody consider that book worthy enough, important enough that somebody should actually sit and copy it in order to preserve it for future generations? The, the Rishonim, the manuscripts that existed, show how important people consider these manuscripts. And the volumes of Rav Meir certainly attest to the fact that many questions were asked to him, and the people considered it important enough to, to redact it, to copy it, and transmit it to future generations. The importance of Rav Meir today is based on the fact that many of Amin Hagin Many of our customs are traced back to Marami Rutenberg as he instructed, as he led his life, and we have a number of his students who record his tradition. One of the most famous disciples of the Marami Rutenberg was the Rush, Rabbeinu Asher, who was a student and quoted often the decisions of his Rebbe, Marem Rutenberg, and of course in many Svarim, as in Hagos Maimonios, and many, many Svarim, we have the opinion of Marami Rutenberg transmitted, and it's fair to say that many, many, many of Armin Hagim, a great bulk of Armin Hagim that we have, which came through the, the Marami Rutenberg until the days of the Shulchan Aruch, reflect the importance of Marami Rutenberg within Jewish history. The interesting historical bi- biography of Rutenberg it refers basically to a, a famous story that happened approximately in the year 1286. Apparently the German government imposed taxes on the Jewish community and in effect 
they imposed such heavy taxes that they made Jews to be servants of the of the crown, of the kingdom at that time. Of course, the Jews objected, and many of them decided, got together, and decided to leave Germany. One of those people was the Maram Rutenberg. When he left Germany, apparently someone recognized him and informed the authorities that they had the opportunity to capture Reb Meir and they held him for ransom. They put him in jail and held him for ransom. The tradition that's quoted in certain sources is that he was in a, in a prison in a place called Ensisheim. Perhaps he was transferred to a prison in Wasserburg. The, the legend is quoted by the Chida that Marami Rutenberg refused to be ransomed. There might be two reasons that which are quoted in different historical sources why he refused to be ransomed. There's one assumption that the Jews did indeed raise a sizable amount of money, equivalent to millions of dollars today, to ransom Reb Meir and he resisted this ransom payment. As he said, there's a Gemara in Masechah's Gitten, which says we do not pay too much money for ransom. Paying ransom would only encourage people to capture other people and demand ransom for them as well. To pay the ransom would be self-defeating, although Rabbi Meir himself would languish in jail, ultimately it would be better for the Jewish people if the ransom not be paid. Another tradition is that although the money was indeed raised, the government insisted that this money be paid as taxes. That they insisted that the money go to show that the Jews will pay the taxes that they were charged. Since the Jews rejected the tax, they said that they would pay a ransom for Rabbi Meir Rutenberg, but they refused to have it acknowledged as a tax because that that would cause the terrible servitude of the Jewish people to the German authorities. Whatever the reason is, it's well known in Jewish thought, in Jewish history, in Jewish legend, that Rabbi Meir refused to be ransomed, and he eventually died in prison in 1293. Apparently, he was not even brought to Kvura at that time. He died in prison, and it seems that the authorities even insisted that a ransom be, pay, be paid in order to redeem the body, in order to bring the body of Reb Meir Mutenberg to Kevi Yisrael, they said you must also pay. It's not simple, it's not clear why he was not redeemed from prison after his death, but the legend is that there was a very rich person years later who decided to pay actually a king's ransom, a hefty amount of money, in order to redeem the body of Ableza, of Marami Rutenberg. And according to the legend, this wealthy individual had a dream in which Marami Rutenberg appeared to him and asked for the person to ransom his body. And the ultimate result was that Rabbi Mirotmir was brought to Kevi Yisrael, and ultimately the Gevir in question, the wealthy individual who paid 
the money to ransom Rabbi Meir Rutenberg had the privilege of being buried adjacent to the grave of Rabbi Meir Rutenberg. I had an incident, an interesting incident that I'd like to recall in this connection. I was once in Montreux in, in, in Switzerland and there is a famous castle of Chillon by the shore of Lake Geneva right outside Montreux. A beautiful, beautiful area. And the tradition, of course, is that Byron wrote a famous poem, The Prisoner of Chillon, and he actually wrote it in Chillon in memory of people who were imprisoned in Chillon. I was there passing through and stopped by just to see the prison. Two busloads of Haredi Jews, two people, two busloads of people that seemed to be very, very right-wing Orthodox, who did not seem to be the type to go on sightseeing tree, trips in Shion, got off the bus. I went over to one of them and I said to them, why and where are you going? What is this tour? And he told me that there is a tradition that they had that Shion, that famous prison of Shion, was the prison in which Rameh Merutmerg was imprisoned. Of course, historically, it seemed very strange to me. As I mentioned, the historical evidence seems to be that Rameh Merutmerg was imprisoned in Enzersheim, in Wasserberg, perhaps in Germany, perhaps in France, I had never heard that he was imprisoned in Switzerland. Of course, the borders then could have been different than today, and it's hard to know the names of different cities. But nevertheless, the tradition of the Haredim that at least got off the bus, I don't know any historical tradition, is that the prison was indeed that famous prison of Shion out in Switzerland near Montreux. Rameh Rutenberg will always be remembered through the Minhagim, through the Psakim that we continue until this day. Yehizachol Baruch. Thank you. We've been listening to Havav Tavori, discussing the figure, the character uh, of the Marani Rutenberg, one of the great gedolim of the late Middle Ages.